cult cinema catacombs. These films exist. And now, here are your hosts, Roy Buckingham and Andrew Farmer. We are starting the show, I believe. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cult Cinema Catacombs, and welcome to the first month of our Clint Howard tribute. Are you excited about this, Andy? I mean, sure. Of course I am. I, <laughs> I, you know I love Clint Howard. Uh, from everything from Evil Speak to uh, whatever else Clint Howard's done that we're going to watch. Yeah, name it. I mean, well, he was, he had like just a brief cameo in Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, but... Well, we started... Well, you had been playing this for a while. We announced we were going to do it, and I'm watching a relaunch of... Uh, or I'm, I'm doing a rewatch of Fringe, the J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams show, and uh, he has a cameo in Fringe. <laughs> and yes. I'm like, of course he does. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> He's Cliff Howard. And it came up right as I was right as I was starting to rewatch it. So I was very I'm very happy for what we're doing here. So before we begin, um, I, 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 I know you've got something you want to say and I've got oh, something a, I want to say first. So you just go a brief shout out to uh, a friend of the show, um, <laughs> Jason, the ex Dilworth, um, for leaving me and, and, and in turn you, uh, Roy. A really sweet, uh, just in only the way that, you know, Jason, the ex Dilworth, can leave a voicemail, you know, um, really showing his concern and compassion for us not being able to be at AllCon this year. Uh, Thanks. Thanks, Jason, for all of your kind words, Um, which if you can't break through the just the the Dairy Queen dip cone cover of my sarcasm, (laughs) just screaming into the phone that we aren't there at Alcon this year. Just laying into me. <laughs> and just yelling, what do you mean you're not here? Just over and over again. Yes, we can't be at Alcon. We apologize greatly for that. And and uh, it's good to know that we're missed, I yeah. guess, Jason. Oh. Yeah, so I, wanted I, to, I, I wanted to start with Jason um, <laughs> yelling obscenities into my phone. So thank you, <laughs> I I, I'm technically there, but only in video for one of the games I uh, recorded uh, for the horror box game. That's I think happening Friday night of the con. Uh, of course, by the time this comes out, the con will have been over. But we did a, a loving tribute to the old 90s VHS board game uh, Nightmare, where Jaster was the, the 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 creep instead. And, you know, we sent people to the black hole if they got, you know, a question wrong and stuff like that. So I had a lot of fun making that and kind of like doing my own variation of the old VHS board games. So that's yeah, the only I, thing I'm there this year, unfortunately. I did a fair amount of writing, but I'm going to I'm going to miss it uh, for sure. So um, you guys have you kids have fun and uh, we'll be there next year. Yeah, working on going to be there next year in person. So uh, before we begin, I just want to say that this show is not sponsored by Coca-Cola's new Starlight flavor. Um, and the reason why I'm saying it's not sponsored by Coca-Cola's new Starlight flavor, because I'm actually drinking it right now, the zero sugar version. And I've got to say, besides its pink its pink Coca-Cola hue, uh, sure. they say that this is supposed to be space flavored. I uh, just I would say that if diabetes had a taste profile, this would be it. 
I would say it's somewhere in the vicinity of Nick Cage. If Nick Cage was a cola, <laughs> this was this is probably what it would be for me. If, if Nick Cage was doing another H.P. Lovecraft um, <laughs> movie. See, to me, the best way I could describe how the how the new Starlight flavor tastes to me is it's like I'm drinking a Coca-Cola and then suddenly cotton candy burped in my mouth. I, wa- I always wanted a caffeinated version of Can't Stop the Music, so thank you. <laughs> so Thank you, Coca-Cola. There's our shout-outs for the episode there. So anyway, Clint Howard. Um, Clint Howard. A man whose filmography is just enormous, just starting when he was writing mightily across the plains of film, um, just giving us everything he's got all the yes. time. This is long overdue. I mean, like, like Andy said, um, we technically started this with our fifth episode when we did Evil Speak. Was that and the fifth episode of the show? That was our fifth episode of the show, yeah. How are we ahead of the curve all the time? I don't understand. <laughs> And I mean, I, I don't think Clint Howard gets enough love uh, in the industry. I it, it's so any time that we can celebrate him, you know, so be it. So for those who don't know what's going on, um, our for the next three months, March, April, and May, Andy and I are each choosing a different project from Clint Howard, watching it and reviewing it. I have started things off with the uh, cult '80s film from 1986. Awesome. Great. Yes. God damn the magic dodge. I'm so ready for this. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 crow if it was a car, basically. Um, <laughs> it's Auto Man. The, it's the revenge of Auto Man. <laughs> what I love about this film is is that the is that the main cast in this movie consists of either siblings or children. Of Hollywood royalty, because uh-huh. we've got Charlie Sheen, who is the son of Martin Sheen. Uh, we've got Nick Cassavetes, which is the son of legendary director John Cassavetes, and also star of Rosemary's Baby. Uh, we we got Clint Howard, who is the brother of Ron Howard. Uh, we got Randy Quaid, who is the brother of Dennis Quaid, and then we got Griffin O'Neill, who is the son of uh, Ryan O'Neill. Right. So and then you've got Sherilyn Fenn from Twin Peaks. God, this not? movie <laughs> did things for me. This one did some stuff. <laughs> the the Sherilyn Finn beach scene got me through um, a lot of my a lot of my budding childhood. <laughs> yeah. I mean, between hot Charlie Sheen and hot Sherilyn Finn, is it in, is it any wonder that I became the man that I am today? <laughs> um, the film got mixed re- when it first came out. It got it got mixed reviews when it came out. Uh, Leonard Malton dismissed the film as this is only for f- people who love fast cars and lots of noise. And I have to say to Leonard Malton that, sir, you hated Gremlins, yet you gave three stars to a movie called Laser Blast from the seventies. So I question your taste, sir. Uh, <laughs> um, the film also was a box office. Bomb. It was an absolute box office bomb. But then in 1987, thanks to the magic of home video and cable and Laserdisc, it became a giant cult film. Uh, 
what's interesting is with this movie when it was released in the Philippines in 1987, they actually retitled it Black Moon Rising Part Two, which has <laughs> nothing to do with the Tommy Lee Jones movie Black Moon Rising. Um, completely unrelated. <laughs> so that is where, fantastic. God bless they, them for that. Where they thought this was a sequel to the John Carpenter written Tommy Lee Jones starring. Uh, Black Moon Rising is anyone's guess. <laughs> so, I love it. I love so it. I've, I've taken you. So I've taken. No. Well, how many times have you seen the race? God, your, I don't know. There was a period of time that I had a roommate um, when I was in my twenties, and I really think that we watched this movie about once a week. I had a Matchbox car of the same car as the Wraith, and we used to bring the Matchbox car out. We should sit it on the on the coffee table and sing a song called "Ooh, It's the Magic Dodge," and then we would watch this movie and get horribly drunk, horribly drunk, just over. And it would be a weekly thing. It would be like Saturday at seven, and before we went and did anything, we watched the Wraith. That's that's what we would do. There are so I have so many questions that I want to ask you about this movie. Um, once we actually watch it, um. But it's probably been 50-ish times that I've seen this. Not kidding. That I've seen this movie. So I'm when definitely you said not... we're doing The Wraith, I'm like, hell yes, we are. I haven't seen it as much as you have. I've definitely seen my share of it. And I'm always happy to revisit the movie because I do enjoy this one a lot. Oh, it's so weird. It's so weird. And it came out during a time period when, like, sentient cars were the thing. Um you know, there was a there was like a ten year period where you had Auto Man, you had Christine, the movie Christine, not the book, but the movie. You had Knight Rider, you had all of these like cars that could think, and this is the only one I think that was like a ghost car that could that was it was a revenge ghost car movie. Mm-hmm. So it's like a Herbie goes to Mexico, but also <laughs> Ghost Rider. Herbie goes vigilante. Herbie, yes, I mean, exactly. I mean, hell, Charles even, Bronson and Herbie goes to Mexico again. <laughs> I mean, hell, even Michael Jackson did it in the '80s with Moonwalker. You know, when he yeah. he Moonwalker, he transformed into basically a silver version of the Wraith and tried to kill Joe Pesci. I, I mean, <laughs> this was a thing in that's the '80s. Like, what? Is what that is. That's <laughs> yeah. This movie is this movie's insane. I it gotta is, say, out of all the characters that are in this movie, though, Clint Howard has the mm-hmm. best name in this film. His character's name is Rughead. Yeah. Because, because of his giant ass hairdo that he has, like this this giant, like you're expecting him to start singing She Blinded Me with Science with his hairdo in this movie. Well, but that's the question. So here's a question I have as we go in to watch this film. Because again, I've seen it a million times. Mm-hmm. This movie is theoretically based during a time period which is the 80s right yes. mm-hmm. okay um and it's not it's the 80s it's not like the 80s after a nuclear bomb went off and people were trying to get back to normal or the 80s after a plague or a famine it's just the 80s yeah i um, mean you got robert palmer and ozzy osbourne playing in the background so yeah yeah it's just the 80s and you get 80s stuff you get 80s like Oh, it's the we're going to the quarry to take off our tops and uh, you know meatballs. But then you also have a gang of post-apocalyptic like <laughs> car thieves. 
<laughs> for no reason. Just, just why? Why do you view Clint Howard as the as the mechanic for a gang of post-apocalyptic car thieves? Just in the eighties. Just normal eighties. Oh, I mean, but, look but at that happens. So yeah, well, somebody needs at, to explain that to me. Well, look at last month with New York Ninja with the but gang. But that's what I mean. I mean, it feels like yeah. that. That's how it feels because, except it's all one note instead of like um, a, a Bushido ninja with a sock on his dick <laughs> and a samurai sword and a rake fighting you. It's you know, it's Randy Quaid. <laughs> Yeah, you got Randy Quaid as the cop, which is interesting casting in retrospect, uh, who is, you know, trying to stop this gang uh, who is being picked off by a haunted Grand Prix car, uh, <laughs> bell bent for revenge. for being Fiero with a kid on it. Yeah, <laughs> for being wrongfully killed. So it's it's it's. It, I'm surprised this wasn't a bigger hit, to be honest with you, because when it comes to the the bonkersness that was 80s science fiction, where anything it was anything goes, this should have been a bigger hit than it was. I mean, if if the, if the last Starfighter could be a hit, so could have the Wraith. No, I don't disagree with you, like at all. Like, th- I I don't. I would love to know why. Like, I need to do the research and figure out why it didn't hit. What came yeah, out at the same time? What what overshadowed the race? Yeah, because if Kroll could be a hit, so Master, if Beastmaster could be a hit, so can the Wraith. I mean, come on. I'm excited. The, I'm excited to watch this film again. When did this movie come out? Let me take a look here. I know it was in 1986. Was there anything big up against it? Let's see, it came out. Wraith came out November 21st, 1986. That was a Christmas movie. That was a Thanksgiving movie. They were like, you know what? The movies of of November 1986. What was it up against? Okay. Um, Here's what it was up against at that time. It was up against uh, the Mosquito Coast. Okay. It was up against Police Academy 4. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, it was no, I'm sorry, that's not Police Academy. It's something called Combat Academy. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Okay. Uh, it was up against Nutcracker, the motion picture, but mm. here are the the giants it was up against. Okay. It was up against Firewalker with Chuck Norris and Louis yep. Gossett Jr. Uh, it was up against Hoosiers. Oh, okay. And it was up against an American Tale. Oh, so snowball's chance basically against those three films because I mean even though Firewalker was was ripped apart by the critics, it was a big hit because it was Chuck Norris in the Indiana Jones role basically. Right. Hoosiers is because it's Hoosiers and American Tale because kids need to go see something. So. (laughs) And it's it's that time of year. Yeah. So Nutcracker, I remember Nutcracker being dark, very popular. Yeah, and Nutcracker yeah, was dark and for that time, time of the year. So maybe, so yeah, it makes sense. Maybe if this would have been like a September, October movie, it probably would have been a bigger well, hit. I mean, this is I, more if it being it a ghost story. It should have been a Halloween film. Yeah, but it had to get put. It had to have been pushed back because it's a summer movie. It really is. Yeah. In in the movie, it's a summer movie, so it had to have been pushed back for something. So I'm thinking that's probably what happened. Because, you know, they're bikinis and swimsuits and, you know. Oh, yeah, there's a giant pole scene in this movie, yeah. 
Yeah, there's that quarry swimming seat. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. It's it's a, yeah. it had to have been pushed back for something because I think you're right. If it would have been timed right, it would have been way more successful than what it was. Mm-hmm. Let's watch it. I want to watch it now. You got it. All right, we'll be right back after we watch the race. The magic dodge. An evil force took his life. An unearthly power has brought him back. He is a phantom. A wraith, a cosmic spirit given another chance. Uh, are you new in town? Yeah. Who's the kid? I turned my back and the next second he was there, like magic almost. You ever seen one of those before? Nah, let's just add it to our collection. There's a kid out there using his car to kill people. Not that it's such a big deal, since it seems to be your gang he's got it in for. Hold on! Grab the shotgun, Mama Luca! A wraith, man! A ghost! An evil spirit, and it ain't cool! What are you doing? Packard, stop Get in the car! What are you doing, man? You Get out of my face, Burger Boy! You wind up dead like your brother! Hey! Who is that guy? I don't know. But whoever he was, he's weird and ticked off. If you've done nothing wrong, you've got nothing to fear. Here he comes, here comes Speed Racer. <laughs> He's an angel, but also an alien. And he also Charlie Sheen now. And... <laughs> wow, I forgot how weird this movie I mean, I love it, but I forgot how weird this movie He's is. It's a wild movie. And that's it's, why it's one of my favorite movies. It's so wild because a lot no of movies, a reason to it. <laughs> well, but a lot of movies, you can, they don't make sense, but they try to make sense. Yes, and that's you know one of I mean? those movies. Like, this is not a movie that tries to make sense. It doesn't give you anything. It it literally gives you nothing. <laughs> like the the, the spoiler rich this this uh, episode is going to be. So if you haven't seen the Wraith. Stop this and go watch the race, of course. Um, but they don't even give you the fact that when um, he comes back, Charlie Sheen is the same guy. Don't even give you that. And you got to figure that one out. Um, but then you don't know what. So one question I've always had about this movie, Roy, that I've never been able to answer. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, this is one of my favorite films of all time. The things, the pieces of machinery or tubing or whatever that disappear whenever he kills them. <laughs> the, 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 I guess, I don't know what the hell they are. The exoskeleton? Um, yeah. Like, are these, sha- so, so my theory is that, that when he dies, he's brought back to avenge his death. Yeah. And he cannot leave until his death is fully avenged. 
Mm-hmm. And every time one of those people dies, it releases one of these like shackles on him. And until I, they're all gone, he can't go. That's my I, only thought. I guess that's a, that's yes. as that's as more of a sane explanation than I can think of because <laughs> I was like because when I, when I saw him with it, I, I thought at first, okay, cool, it's part of the costume. And then they start phasing off of him. And I'm like, okay, were these like maybe parts of the car stuck in his body when he blew up? (laughs) You say it's a good idea, but it's all I can come up with in like 25 years of watching this movie. It's such a great movie. And being as this is Clint Howard month, Clint is so good in this thing. Oh, as as um, Rughead, yes, I, the, the 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 brains behind the operation of all of the uh, the evil people. He's great. He, you could tell he's having fun in this movie. You really can. Um, he's the only one that has any sense too. <laughs> when when the shit starts happening, to go, okay, you know what? I'm out of here. I know what this <laughs> is. This is a wraith. Goodbye. You guys are on your own. When Robert Cop shows up at your front door with a space shotgun shooting up your cars, you bone out. That's what you do. You don't yeah. stay. Time to leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you you don't go like how Nick Cassavetes is in this movie, who just doesn't give a shit about anything in this film. And, you know, just is standing around with that look on his face like, I don't care. Right. I'll, I'll have sex with whoever I want. <clears throat> Yeah, I'll have sex with this 40-year-old woman who's trying to be 20. Uh, right. <laughs> I'll groom Sherilyn Finn and have sex with this 40-year-old. Yeah. I'll have paint. <laughs> oh, my God, his minions. Okay, okay. There's, okay. So much, there's so much to talk about with this film. If you've... If, You've never seen The Wraith. It's available to watch anywhere. You could watch it for free on Vudu. You could watch it for free on Tubi. You could watch it for free on um, um, Pluto TV. Yeah. I, I, someone uploaded the entire movie onto YouTube as well. You you can now sit that down we've and watch talked this about free. it. Like Vinegar Syndrome is going to have like an 8K restoration next week <laughs> with Charlie Sheen's severed head in the box. It's going to be great. <laughs> Well, I know it is available. I know Vestron released it as part of their Vestron on Blu-ray collection um, <laughs> last year, so I know that, that, that they beat us to it. So um, <laughs> I'm awfully tempted to own it, but since it's available to stream everywhere for free, I'm like, I know, you know. But um, God, where do we begin with this movie? So <laughs> here's what the movie's about. I'm just gonna tell you. The movie's about a guy and his girlfriend, and they're out driving one night. And then a post-apocalyptic car gang that just is, exists in the 80s um, decides that they're going to, instead of kill them, they're going to race him for pinks for his car, um, which uh, he loses, right? No, he wins, doesn't he? No, I don't uh, no, no, Nick Cassavetes wins. Yeah, and then they beat him to death and steal his girlfriend in front of her. And somehow, like, I don't, here's the thing I don't know, is how much time passes between that and when he comes back. Do you have any concept of that time? There's, no, there's, there's really no sense of time as to when this whole thing 
took place, how how long ago it took place or anything. Because they're because they're really well adjusted. Sherilyn Finn's really well adjusted for watching her boyfriend get destroyed by a baseball bat. Um, well, and even I mean the the explanation that they give for that is that she has no memory and her memory of course slowly starts coming back in this movie and even when the memory of what happens comes back um i know sherilyn fenn is a is a great actress but she she delivers the what i call the kathy ireland and alien from la delivery (laughs) with uh realizing the truth and she's like oh wait i never dated you you killed my boyfriend Okay, fine. Go ahead and kill me. <laughs> okay, there you go. That's an acting choice right there. Well done. Well done, Sherilyn Finn. You have a, a bright history ahead of you with David Lynch. You're going to be fine. Yeah, thank God, she, fine. thank God she got on the Twin Peaks because she then proved she's a lot better than that. <laughs> but yeah, so... So after the after he dies and she loses his memory, a mysterious black Dodge Charger race car thing shows up. And I got a question about that about the end, by the way, that I just doesn't. Oh, there's so many questions this movie gives us. Yeah. Fucking sense. Um, shows up and starts um, harassing the street gang. They challenge him to races, and inevitably he just kind of paces them up to a certain point, then gets way out in front of them, and as they come around a curve or over a hill, he's just sitting there, and they run into him, and there's a huge explosion. Yeah, there's a uh, Michael Bay-sized explosion that happens. Yeah, and then whoever's in the car, like, doesn't have eyes anymore for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, they're ghoulish. They're they're completely ghoulish. Yeah. Um... And instead of the cops like, well, we got to really do something about this, it just keeps happening. It just keeps happening, like, four more times. Um, and in the meantime, Charlie Sheen shows up in this little town, riding his little moped around, riding his fucking dirt bike, <laughs> wooing Cheryl and Finn. Um, I am absolutely convinced that the look they gave Charlie Sheen in this movie with the sunglasses and his hairstyle and his wardrobe that they totally modeled him after Steve Dallas from the comic strip Bloom County because when when they're at when when they're at the Arizona swimming hole and he's laying there on his towel and he's got that deadpan look on his face and just staring out all that's missing is the cigarette dangling from his lip cuz he's totally in Steve Dallas mode right there this movie makes as little sense as twice dead <laughs> Like, we could sit here and explain this movie for the three hours, and you still would have no idea what's going on. Because we don't. Um, as as he continues to woo Sherilyn Finn um, and uh, Cassavetes continues to try to, like, be hyper-jealous of her and any other guy, like, including... Um, the race brother. Yeah. Also, uh, what was up with that? Um, with that uh, drive-up restaurant. Oh, the, oh, you you mean the the Sonic, not Sonic? Yeah. Which, what which, was up which, with 
which seems to be the number one hot spot in this entire town, which tells me how boring it must be well, to live in this town if the number one spot to hang out at is the the roller skate waitress burger joint. Yeah, it's somewhere in Arizona. We know that. But um, but just scantily clad high school girls and weird old men in their cars. Yeah. Um. But I don't. How do you explain? I can't. I can't do it anymore because it doesn't make any sense. I can explain no, it, it. I can keep going, but it doesn't make sense. And, and the thing is, is also with this this ragtag band, this gang. <laughs> I, it's amazing that all of these people got together because they all seem like they came from other gangs. Right. And, and, they all and, came out of New York Ninja. They, they went to Arizona, and this is the four that went to Arizona from New York Ninja. Because you got Packard, who is the town bully, and no one, no one is brave enough to stand up to him. Um, then you got Rughead, who is the 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 the, the nerdy car expert, the the gearhead. Um, he did it just for the love of the game, man. Yeah, he just wants to build cars. He's taking his schematics. And is he's leaving it in this briefcase? All right. You've got Red and Minty who <laughs> look who who look like they would be the ones that would follow someone like um, Packard, but then you've got Skank and Gutter Boy. <laughs> Which one is the one that dresses in a Letterman's jacket? I I want to say that, Minty. I think that's Minty. I want to say it's Minty, because. Uh, uh, Skank is now Skank is Skank is it Skank or Gutter Boy that's the one that anything and everything gets ingested into his body to get him wasted. That's Skank. That's Skank. Right? No, no, that's Gutter Boy. No, that's, that's Gutter, Gutter Boy. Because it's like the when we get introduced to Gutter Boy, our introduction to Gutter Boy is him drinking this mysterious green liquid, <laughs> and he's like, "Shit, man, this is gonna be tripping, man." And <laughs> <laughs> like um, Repo Man called and wants you to return to the set. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you went with the wrong Sheen Estevez, man. <laughs> and it's like that the whole that film. It's like the, the, anything from you know whatever the the zombie juice, as uh, Packard calls it, to <laughs> huffing computer keyboard detest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely a scene where he's huffing silver spray paint, all yes. a la uh, Fury Road. And WD-40 at one point. He huffs WD-40 at one point. And I mean, just anything and everything was a drug. And then, and then you've got uh, Skank, who's like, yeah, yeah man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, he's the tweaker yeah. of the group. <laughs> I mean, it's like... To, to me, Skank and Gutter Boy were the comic relief of the film because they were just so, like, it's like they took your stereotypical 1930s comic relief sidekicks from a street gang movie and turned them into 80s punk rock listening street trash. Yeah, it's Abbott and Costello meet PCP. <laughs> Yes. And it's pretty good. It's pretty good, to be honest. <laughs> I like the fact that the uh, at least I think they both work at an abandoned airfield. 
Yes, and and their job is to approve um, broken up World War II plane parts for God knows what. They just stamp them. We haven't even talked about how, like, the only sane thing about this movie is Randy Quaid, which is a huge thing to say. We're just saying a lot because it's Randy Quaid. (laughs) The only sane thing about this film is Randy Quaid. (laughs) (sighs) What does that say about us and this film and the universe that we live in? I mean, he was he was he was the concerned, not concerned sheriff because it was like he knew that this had to be solved because, you know, here was this thing that was causing problems in this little small podunk Arizona town. But at the same time, they were killing the right people. So <laughs> and, they couldn't, and, and, and no matter what he did, he's not going to stop it. Yeah. I mean, he tried anything and everything and nothing was going to stop it. So he's just like, ah, fuck it. Yeah, he's going to work itself out, apparently. <laughs> And what also was killing me was just the, the 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 ego and the hubris of this gang kicking in, where every time that you know this this vehicle would arrive, uh, they would be like, "Okay, I'm gonna race it this time. I'm gonna beat it." And I'm like, "Are you?" Well, yeah. Every time, like, so so every a gang member dies in a fiery car wreck while racing this guy, and then it comes back. Nothing comes back from these kind of wrecks. Like, they are insane wrecks, mm-hmm. and nothing could come back, but he's back. And their initial reaction isn't like, holy shit, how did he survive that? It's, we're going to race him, we're going to beat him this time. There's a scene in this movie, possibly my favorite scene, where it's the third one. It's the third car that, that gets destroyed. I think it's the third. Um, and I think it's uh, the, the the guy wearing the Letterman jacket, where... Clint Howard develops a super futuristic lowjack. Yes. We got ourselves a breaker here. We need to put it inside your car. And oh, pop, pop the hood. Pop the hood. Pop your hood. That's <laughs> a pretty good Clint Howard impression you do. Um, <laughs> I, I love that when they pop the hood and Clint Howard sees the engine in there, that's when he realizes um, we're in trouble. Well, Tim <laughs> Howard is the only mo- person in this movie that can act, which is, again, awesome. Because he's the only one who has any, like, brain in this movie to well, realize when, it's time to walk away. He's standing at the passenger side window telling him to pop the hood. And when the hood pops, it's behind him because yeah. he's looking up front for the hood to pop. But this thing has the, the engine in the back. So he's looking up front, and he does a great take to the back when that thing opens, and then he opens it, and then we get a perspective from inside the engine, and it is one thousand friggin' percent evil or uh, evil speak. Yeah, I was gonna say that engine looked like something from Ghostbusters too. But <laughs> you get a scene up at Clint Howard's head where you know his hair is very similar to the way it was in Evil Speak, mm-hmm. where it's it's lit from the front. So he so and his hair's up and the wind is blowing out of the engine for some reason mm-hmm. and his hair is blowing and he's got that same face he's making the same expression I'm like oh oh evil speak I'm like <laughs> DiCaprio pointing at the TV and then he's like um Packard you need to come see this and he's just like just put it in there like, and the point is to keep him from running away again motherfucker do you think he ran away last time? 
Like you're right. It's just like it's an insane hubris. Like they can't. It's it's confirmation bias at another level. They can't mm-hmm. acknowledge the fact that you know this guy is a monster man, an angel demon alien baby. Yeah, and um, God, and then you know, then we have the 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 thing going on where with all of this racing going on and with everyone slowly dying and then finally when you know Packard does get his comeuppance at the end and the sheriff is just like well now the whole gang's dead now the Packard gang's gone this is going to end <laughs> and just clean up this road and <laughs> Then the Inceptor comes up to Sherilyn Fenn, who's standing there like, what? <laughs> and, and, you know, Charlie Sheen comes walking out and then morphs. And well, he's, like, he's like, you know who I am. Yeah. You know. And she's like, no, I don't. And she's like, yeah, you do. You know. You know. Johnny. It's like, what? <laughs> but I just, I just love when he is, when he does the final transformation, he's just like, oh, can't do that again. <laughs> well, as it drops the last piece of shackling tube alien angel armor off of him, you mean? Mm-hmm. What is this movie? <laughs> and then and then before he goes riding off into the sunset with Carrie, um, which, by the way, you know, you could tell that the sheriff knew and put two and, you know, he, he finally did all the math at the end of the movie and just let them drive away. He's just like it's it's it, it, it's like it's like this look that he gets on his face after he realizes the truth and watches the two of them go away. It's like going back to Arrested Development. Good for her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like all right. Oh god, I'm, he's just tired. This whole movie, he's just so tired. But what I the, the most what the fuck part about this movie? Yes, yes, please, because this is the other question I have. Please. The most what the fuck part about this movie is like, okay, so he's avenged he's avenged everything. He's avenged his murder, and now I guess he's allowed to come back in as as Jamie only as Charlie Sheen. Only he's now stuck in the body of Jake. Right. So he can't morph back to the way he originally looked. But he could stay as Charlie Sheen. So then he goes to visit his brother who works at the Burger Shack and all of a sudden gives him the keys to the Wraith car. Yes. Yes. I'm thinking to myself, okay, one, the police department's going to be looking for this car. So basically he gave the keys to his brother and said, here, you handle it. I'm gone. So basically, he threw his brother under the bus because now they're going to think the brother is the one who killed the Packard gang because they know this car. This, you know, you know, this car sticks out like a sore thumb on Venus for crying out loud. It's the only car. It's the only one. There's only but, one of them. This yeah, is it. This is it. But at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, if this is a vehicle yes. that he used as a wraith to exact his revenge in order to bring himself back to a mortal, shouldn't this car have just disappeared? Yes. I mean, the car disappears and reappears at will. The the uh, the instructions are in the glove compartment. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Charlie Sheen. Who are you, bro? You said it. <laughs> you said it. Ugh. 
And at the end of the film, he's standing there like, Jake, Jake, <laughs> Jamie! <laughs> and then he just turns around and opens the car door. Like, okay, that's a... Cool, name. I got a Transformer! Yeah, the, the, he doesn't ask the question, Charlie Sheen has been my brother the whole time. I have literally hung out with him every day since, and he never told me or tried to make me understand this. Number one. Number two, he is the guy that's been killing literally everyone. One in five people in this town is dead because of this man. Whether they're scumbags or not, that happened. Number three, the murder car is mine. And I, what? Like, those are questions. Like, that's the other side of this thing that I just don't understand. That's the craziest thing about this movie to me. It's like, here's my angel alien car that disappears into three points of light and flies off into the heavens yeah it's yours now <laughs> it's yours now you're driving a <laughs> you're driving the agatha christie mobile before this now you have this it's <laughs> a good way to describe this car <laughs> that he had prior to this that's a hot car man i'm gonna have to get the pinks no it's not a hot car this thing has a wind-up key in the back <laughs> To start it up. <laughs> and the things that we have talked about don't scratch the surface <laughs> of how insane this movie. There's a car chase between uh, Gutter Gutter Boy and Skank and, a, and his dirt bike. <laughs> that yeah, is I love the how dumbest the thing bike, I've ever seen. I, I love how the dirt bike outran this car. I love that. Only in the 80s is that logical. Right. Um, it is the dumbest it, 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 with with Sherilyn Finn on the back, <laughs> and uh, we have to we have to touch on one more thing with this movie. And that is the extremely eighty soundtrack. Oh, it's thing. great. I um, I, I mean, it not only had you know synthesizer extreme like synthesizer 80s music i mean it, i mean it honestly sounds like any type of synthwave band out there today yeah i just saw them tuesday live they're called the midnight <laughs> and i don't know if they're my favorite band and i don't know if they're as good as the soundtrack was uh but we also got songs by ozzy osbourne motley Crue, robert palmer uh lion stan bush you got the touch you know we got him we've got bonnie tyler Billy Idol. I mean, mm-hmm. just, I mean, this is this is an '80s soundtrack, and I, from understand, it's also one of the most sought after soundtracks right now. Fifteen uh, minutes into the movie, I was on Discogs trying to find it. <laughs> I mean, just I mean, killer soundtrack. It really is. I mean, if it's not for the songs that are playing, and it, 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 the, the score as well. I mean, you, you think of 80s sci-fi synthesizer score that's outside of the realm of John Carpenter, and you've got it with this movie right here. I don't, I don't know, and, I, and I, I, I mean this wholeheartedly, I don't know if there is a more quintessential 80s soundtrack to a movie than this because of the combination of the score, just the straight synthesizer score, just synth. Just just the score. And then the songs that they chose were Mm -hmm. big songs. Big songs. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you said, Bonnie Tyler, Ozzy Osbourne was in it. Dying Dawkins had a song in there somewhere. (laughs) Um, Like it was, it is, it took me straight back. Yeah. 
but do not pass go. I can't, <laughs> I cannot, not that this is any shock to anyone that knows me and has, you know, watched this movie with me maybe, but I cannot stress enough that every single living man, woman, and child uh, should watch this film. <laughs> oh, it's a blast. If you're looking for a film that is a great example of 80s cheese, especially sci- 80s, 80s science fiction cheese where, you know, in the 80s, science fiction fantasy movies were just go with it. Yeah, yeah. it literally was. It was just like, it, that's that's the idea you have. Film it. And <laughs> this is a good example of that. No, it is. And on this show, many, many times I've said, I wonder if there's another cut of this that makes sense. <laughs> you know, I've said it plenty of times. For this movie, I don't want there to be. I wanted to just be this. This is the this is the vision that was put on screen, and I just wanted to stay that way. I love how at one point you texted me also saying that you want this to cross over with the Fast and the Furious. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. Charlie Sheen is still alive. I'm sure they can get that car together. Let's have them cross over with this with with this movie. Um, I want I want I want in the desert. Um, well, first, what I want to have happen is for um, uh, uh, what's his name, the ba- the bad guy, um, um, uh, Edris Elba, to kill Charlie Sheen, <laughs> and then I want them to. Uh, I, I want Paul Walker to show up, UCG, driving the race car to to have to go back with the Fast and Furious team to clear them out, the bad guys, so that he can go off to heaven or wherever. That's what I want. maybe it's in poor taste no more poor taste than that last scene in that one Fast and the Furious movie with that two chain song Um, that uncanny valley bullshit they pulled this is better taste than that at least he gets a redemption and they don't keep just pretending that he's alive oh dad'll be your daddy'll be here soon shut up Dom just say he's dead be a man be a man a a, a line v-neck t-shirt boy well, you know, he died a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I love uh, Paul Walker. R.I.P. Oh man. So I, I, so yeah, I agree with Andy. This is a must-see movie. Um, it's available for free everywhere online. Watch this thing. It's, it's so much fun. So I'm, I'm glad that I picked this one as our first film for, um, Clint Howard Fest. I am too. I am too. And. Hopefully they remake it uh, with Matthew Lillard as the cop. <laughs> so for our next big attraction for, yes. um, for uh, the Clint Howard Fest, this is another movie that you can find streaming anywhere online as well. So if you're wanting to watch it, fortunately it is available. We're going to the year 1993, and this actually has a very interesting cast to it. Um, we have uh, not only do we have Clint Howard in the movie, but we also have Peter Scolari. Good. Seth Those are buddies. Good. Yes. So we have Seth Green. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have Alfonso Ribeiro. Jesus. And forgotten actress Amy Dolenz. And the film that we're going to be watching is the 1993 Schlockfest Ticks. Nice! 
Yes. Uh, this this was actually the movie that for me inspired this because um uh, uh Vinegar Syndrome just recently released a wonderful ultra HD 4K box set release of this film of a film that honestly really doesn't deserve an ultra HD 4K restoration but it's a gorgeous restoration and I forgot how just silly and gooey and ridiculous <laughs> Ticks is. I it reminded me of the stuff that I actually I know that a lot of people say that the 90s was a bad time for horror, but there were definitely gems scattered throughout the whole 90s. And this is definitely one of them because it harkens back to the the creature features of yore at the same time being set in the 90s is like okay we're gonna amp the gore level and the slime level i mean it's ropey it's definitely nice. ropey just like the kids it's been a while, it's it's been been a while since, since we've had a ropey movie so we're getting ropey with it with this one and, and with an all-star cast too <laughs> so is um, amanda pete in it no amanda pete well not. then i'm out i can't i can't <laughs> i don't get ropey without her <laughs> But I just love the fact that, you know, I mean, this was Seth Green. This was pre-Austin Powers Seth Green. So, yeah, but I love the fact that Alfonso Ribeiro, who was like in the midst of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air at this point, took this role. Uh, (laughs) Because I'm sure he didn't need the check, but he took it anyway. (laughs) He went for it. God bless him. (laughs) But uh, I, 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 this has actually one of my favorite Clint Howard moments anywhere in cinema, and you'll know the scene when we come to it. It's just, it's just one of my favorite absolute moments. It's one of those moments where if I saw this in a theater with people, I would be applauding when it happened. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that is our next film. Is, uh, I'm, is I'm t- in it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Speaking of ropey and gooey movies, uh, folks, uh, if you're not aware, Troma Pictures now has a streaming service online, uh, and I highly recommend it. Uh, for those who are not aware of Troma Pictures, you might be aware of the film The Toxic Avenger. Uh, that's the film that's the, the film that really put Troma on the map. But they've just released a streaming service now at watch.troma.com. The entire catalog of films is up there, not only just the films, but also the animated series, The Toxic Crusaders and documentaries and short films and you name it. It's up there. It's for 30 days free. You have a 30 day trial period. And then after that, it's four ninety nine a month or fifty dollars for an entire year. It's available not only to stream on your computer, but on your iPhone, your Android phone, your Apple TV, your Android TV, your Roku, your Fire TV. It's all over the place. I highly recommend it. There's a lot of fun stuff up there. Uh, so check out Troma now. If, for 50 bucks, man, that's just a great gift to someone. Yeah, I mean. Don't buy have, a bottle of whiskey. Buy a year of Troma. Yeah, and you have access to literally everything. Well, you don't have access to the movie that I saw this past weekend yet because they because he, because he's going on tour with it with uh, the film called Hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm, which um, is his interpretation of Shakespeare's The Tempest. And when I say interpretation, I mean Jesus Christ, that just <laughs> happened on the screen. Um, the Tempest that uh, just to kind of give you an idea of what this movie is like. 
the tempest that hits that makes everybody stranded on the island, instead of it just being a regular storm, it is a literal shitstorm that is caused by a, a herd of killer whales that are jumping over the boat three, free willy style that was it fed whale laxative. That's hilarious. Yes, that is the most trauma thing I've heard in a long time. <laughs> just to give you an idea of what to expect with this film, it's outrageous, it's offensive, it's gooey, it's over the top, and I laughed my ass off through the whole thing. So if, if, if I know he's going on a nationwide tour with it right now. Look to see if it's coming to your city because if you're a fan of schlock cinema, because good God, this is yeah, this is the most trauma thing I've seen since Citizen Toxie. So (laughs) so yeah, definitely recommend it. All right, gang. Well, um, we have the uh, the Corbinite maneuver episode coming out in a few days. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, and then we have um, our more. Uh, Clint Howard e things on there, and we've also <laughs> got uh, another announcement. Um, I guess we can go ahead and announce it here because I don't think we really announced it on the Corbinite Maneuver episode. We've been inspired, <laughs> thanks to Andy here, he's the inspiration for this. Uh, we've had so much fun with vis- so far, and we've only in the first month, we've had so much fun with visiting the cinema of Clint Howard. There's another person whose cinema we feel we have to visit because he's just fucking awesome. And, really, truly awesome. And that's Matthew Lillard, the, the films of Matthew Lillard. So coming this fall, we're going to have Lillard Fest. Which, Lillard Fair. Lillard, yeah, Lillard Fair, there you go. Not, not, not to be confused with Lilith Fair. No, we're you not can gonna- confuse it. It's okay. You can go ahead and confuse. Paula Cole's not going to come out and sing for you guys, so that's not going <laughs> to. <Yeah. laughs> yeah, so, so we're going. Wait, to... it, Paula Cole. <laughs> so we're going to this fall. We're going to pay tribute to Matthew Lillard with Lillard Fair. We're going to do the same thing like we're doing with Clint Howard right now. We've already got a few films lined up for it, and uh, I, I can't wait to do it because I I fucking love Matthew Lillard, so oh I can't God. wait to do it. He is, he is a hero, and not just because of the movies that he does and the choices that he makes, which I think, especially later in his career, have all been really stand-up choices. Um, no, he, but, he, was a, he was phenomenal on Twin Peaks when Twin Peaks came back. I loved oh, him on I mean, that. He's literally great in everything. Once he, once he, and he was great typecast as whatever they decided he was that they needed in every movie in that time period. <laughs> but... Um, but once he broke out of that, he's been great. But also, I think I told you this, um, he does stuff with miniatures for Dungeons & Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, at the height of the pandemic, they all of the conventions for comic books and toys and movies and everything went, went uh, virtual. So he had a panel from his home talking about these Dungeons & Dragons conventions on, on Hasbro's PulseCon, because Hasbro's a partner with them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's Matthew Lillard in his study talking about miniatures and his kids keep coming in, breaking into the room. And it's him talking to his kids, you know, and he's absolutely 100 percent just Matthew Lillard. Good dad talking to his kids while he's trying to talk to a camera about some dragon miniature. It is the most wholesome thing you nice. can possibly imagine. And and he's hilarious with his kids. So, like. I just think he's a good dude making good choices and fun movies. Um, 
and he's just over the top and he deserves to be recognized as a cult film star and i think oh, yeah. he should do that yeah yeah wait fuck he's shaggy for crying out loud i mean he's shaggy I mean, I'm still, you know, bitter and jaded that they recast him. I mean, I, I love the movie Scoob, but I'm still bitter and jaded that they didn't bring him back as the voice of uh, Shaggy because I, he was the perfect successor to Casey Kasem for that role. He really yeah. was. And, yeah, I mean, to me, I, I mean, I, I have my issues with the Scooby-Doo live-action movie that came out in early 2000s, but at the same time, enough to where I, I had a, a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and he was one of the main reasons why. And to see that he carried over playing Shaggy and the and all the animated stuff, I was so happy because yeah. he just because he just embodied Shaggy so yeah. much. And I don't think there's a more 2000s movie than that Scooby Doo. You could put that up against a... Final Destination for a 2000s movie. <laughs> That movie is a perfect. I mean, I look. I actually recently rewatched it, and I have. I had more fun this time watching it than I did when it first came out in the theater. And I think the reason why I had more fun this time is because it really is a time capsule of that time period mm-hmm. in the first half of the 2000s. If you, if you want to know what it was like in the first half of that decade, watch Scooby Doo. Because that, that was what it was like in the early 2000s. Yes. Gen Z, that'll give you an idea of what it was like to survive 9-11 and, <laughs> to, and, and to survive Y2K. <laughs> Fire up Final Destination, then watch Scooby-Doo, you'll be okay. The world's going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh. All right, gang. Scooby-Doo is an encapsulation of what it was like to survive 9-11. Is a sentence I'm getting, uh, I'm, I'm getting cross-stitched on a pillow and sending it to you. <laughs> All right, gang, on that note, we'll see you next month and talk to you all later. I don't know how to end on that. You, so. you go, you go, Jeffro can't burn steel beams, Scooby-Doo. <laughs>